Texas brewery owner came up with a killer way to get more financing. When you stare into the abyss, you get a new format. Some breweries are coming out with fun ideas for the holidays. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Remember, for your new COVID lockdown, you need three things. You need beer, you're going to need anger, and you're going to need a shit ton of podcasts, which is why we're bringing you this all three in one easily digestible package. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Hey, Tyler, how you doing today? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Jeremy? Um, you know, <laughs> just enjoying the life as we are experiencing it yet again. Um, but I'm super happy uh, that uh, we are in the season. We've we've transitioned from my favorite uh uh, drinking uh, time of year, uh, the fall with Oktoberfest, pumpkin beers, and fresh hops. We are transitioning into the um, into the holiday beers, um, and I'm super happy about that. I got myself a, a Terminal Gravity Festive Ale. Oh, nice. Well, I decided to be a follower this week, and because you were talking about Lugene last week, I had to go get some Lugene. <laughs> You know, the funny thing was, is I was like looking for beers and I had to stop myself from getting the anchor, uh, getting the, uh, anchor Christmas ale, but I oh, had, that would have been perfect, but I hadn't, but I hadn't had the terminal gravity. And, uh, there's also, uh, I have, uh, coming up uh, a little bit, I have, uh, uh, Surly Brewing just came into town a couple of weeks back and nice. so I got their coffee bender brown ale with coffee added. So we, we've talked about Surly a couple that of times. Coffee brown is fantastic. I've had it. I wasn't like super blown away, but we'll see what I think. Um, I don't know. So, Lugene, how does it does it does it stand up as well as? Still, just as good as the day it left. It just brought a joy onto my face at work. I was talking to one of the other guys at the brewery. I was like, "Hey, I I know you like Lugene almost as much as I do. You want your Christmas present? It's back." <laughs> The Terminal Gravity Festival. I'm I'm digging this. It's um it's it's a uh, it's a nice winter warmer, uh, like a caramely, like fruity, uh, malty uh, 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 up front, um, with like piney, spicy bitterness in the back. I mean, really well balanced, um, and also hides what it's called a winter strong ale, eight point eight point four percent. So respectable. Nice. You can yeah. pound. It's in that danger zone, you see. There's like you know ten percent and above where you're like, "Whew, this is like you know eleven percent. I should be careful." And then there's mm-hmm. you know seven percent below where you're like, "This is a beer. This is fine." This eight per, eight to nine percent is always what gets me in trouble. And this is like right in the sweet spot where it's like totally drinkable. I could do a six pack of this and lose my pants. You're like, "Oh yeah, this this drink's so smooth. This is great." And then you're like, "Oh, that's eight and a half percent. This was a bad idea." And a hint of like a, a baking spice, like there's like a hint of cinnamon, a hint of allspice in there, um, as well. So just a little bit of like, uh, you know, that that festive flavor you're kind of looking for. Uh, nice for so you know, uh, yay, holiday, winter, Christmas beers are back. Uh, we can all we, we can stock up for the uh, for for the for the coming uh, 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 cold winter months and you know enjoy the holidays uh, separately. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> I'm actually super excited. I get uh, 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 Thanksgiving. Look, I don't like great big family gatherings. I always want just like small like little celebrations with me, my wife, and now you know the the, the child. Well, I get that this year. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm actually having family bring me food so I don't have to cook. <laughs> Best Thanksgiving ever. Watch, they're going to ruin it by trying to like stay around and talk or something. Don't. Why Why are you harshing my buzz? Why are you like going? <laughs> why? Tyler, why? When you see beauty, do you have to go? Why? I must crush this. Because, Jeremy, I like to crush your dreams sometimes. Fair enough. Speaking of crushing dreams, uh, let's get into news. Tyler, what's our first story? Well, we're going to make a trip down to Texas. Uh, 
Let's not. Hey. I, it's, <laughs> nothing, nothing good happens in Texas. Well, as you were about yes. to prove. <laughs> uh, so apparently the owner of Nine Band Brewing out of Allen, Texas, is facing charges for allegedly killing one of his clients and then staging the death as a suicide. All this was done in a scheme to gain control of the other the dead man's finances, the police said. <laughs> I mean, so a lot to take in. Uh, okay. You know what? Actually, I think I don't I don't know about anybody else, but can you repeat that? Because I feel like I need a minute to just uh, uh, to just realize this is part of our reality that a beer podcast is talking about a murder suicide. One more time. Can I just can I? Yep. So the owner of Nine Band Brewing out of Allen, Texas, is facing charges for allegedly killing his client and then staging the death to look like a suicide. It was all in a scheme to gain control of the dead man's finances, the police said. So, um, <laughs> a client of the brewery or what? Are, what? So, de- what details <laughs> do we have? I guess let's, let's just start with that. What details yep. do we have? So, the client, uh, the owner of Nine Band Brewing, Keith Ashley, he also owns North Texas Money Management. Uh, and is also a registered nurse. So Jesus the the deceased man um was one of his money man was one of Ashley's money management clients. Uh and <laughs> so here's some details that have been released. Uh back in February, the wife of sixty two year old Jim Segan returned to their home and found Jim Segan dead to a gunshot wound to the head uh, as well as a type note saying it was a suicide. Uh, The police were like, oh, okay, it appeared to be a suicide. But as they started to look at it, there were some things that didn't really add up. The gun was found in Segan's left hand. Segan's wife told the police he was right-handed and also doesn't own any guns. <laughs> all right. First, okay. First of all, let's let's just to his credit, he killed the one man in Texas that doesn't own a gun. Yeah. So oh, no. that's bad luck on his on 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 his part. Yep. So, according over the course of the nine month investigation, detectives found evidence that Ashley drugged Segan and then murdered him in an attempt to gain control of his finances. Uh, they were... Uh, they saw on his, like, I'm assuming a ring doorbell camera or something similar, uh, shows Ashley arriving at the house the day of the death, uh, and the ca- the camera was activated again 45 minutes later because of an unknown loud noise. Forensic investigators confirmed the noise was a gunfire. Was gunfire. Um, it then shows Ashley leaving the home and returning again a few minutes later. He let himself inside the house the second time the warrant states. He was in the house when the loud noise triggered the camera and then he was gone. <laughs> okay. This does not look super good for you. <laughs> no. Uh... Apparently, there was a ton of anesthesia in Segan's system that they found during the autopsy. Um, So they're assuming he was drugged before he was shot. Uh, But Segan had two life insurance policies, one valued at $2 million. uh, But two weeks before he died, the beneficiary was changed from Segan's wife to would you like to guess jeremy um ooh 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 i know this one um it was changed to um uh uh pat moriata uh no close uh ashley it was changed oh, to I, him i should have known hey, look, and apparently look the whom whom amongst <laughs> us whom amongst us has not in our final our final moments before suicide 
decided to leave all of our worldly possessions to the owner of our favorite brewery. Um, the, yep. uh, the, the, a brewery that, that brews, uh, um, among, I, I was uh, checking out what they, uh, their highest rated beer, the cactus cat Kolsch, um, <laughs> a, uh, <clears throat> a beer that's described thusly quote, legend tells of the cactus cat covered in his cactusy spines, slashing the prickly pear cactus that opens up pools of juice. The fearsome feline returns at the next full moon to drink the now fermented concoction. The catter walling of the drunken beast can be heard even over the howls of the wind. Our cactus cat Kolsch is made of the classic German, it made in classic German manner, light and crisp with grassy biscuity notes. Prost. Tell me, Tell me you are not about ready to leave everything you own to the maker of this brew. Oh, I mean, I get it. Um, you know, he may be good with words, but he is terrible at writing suicide notes, apparently. <laughs> oh, shit. So, <laughs> I love this. I'm going to guess that maybe he didn't write that. Although, the I got to say, while you've been talking about this, I've been scrolling through their untapped, and their descriptions are, are, are spectacular. We will get to a few more before we're done. But what does a suicide note say? So, the note stated uh, that... His wife should call Ashley for help settling his financial affairs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, cruel world. Um, if you need help settling my affairs, um, you should talk to Ashley at nine. At well, nine she does. <laughs> she does. She gives Ashley her husband's phone and then noticed him deleting text messages. Uh, it was also later discovered that while Keith Ashley was in possession of uh, his cell phone, he wired twenty grand from uh, James Segan's bank account to his own bank account. He did it without uh, Segan's wife's knowledge or consent, <laughs> and uh, it also talks about some court documents related. Uh, to Ashley about wire fraud where Ashley personally took and spent in excess of approximately $1.14 million in investor funds while he returned approximately 81000 to investors. He used the remaining bulk of the funds for a variety of personal expenses and personal benefits such as brewery expenses, spending at casinos, payments on credit cards, legal fees, Cash withdrawals, mortgage payment, college tuition, student loan payments, utilities, and federal or and utilities. So there's a good chance the state of Texas might be owning a brewery here soon. <laughs> so I think we can take two things away from this. Um, number one, um, I think don't trust a money manager who owns a brewery because everyone knows brewery don't make money. Um, well, I was going to say, I mean, you had that right, but you could have stopped that uh, sentence that don't trust a, trust a money manager. Um, and listen, if you are looking at the craft beer world and thinking that all you have to do is start a brewery and money will rain down from the skies and you will, you know, you will be bought out by Constellation for a billion dollars within a month. Um, you don't need an umbrella. Let's say let I think let this story serve as a cautionary tale. Um, at best, a brewery is a thing that you can barely live on. Uh, at worst, uh, it sucks away money and you have to commit murder. But at least you make a uh, 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 fantastic beers like this one from Nine Band Brewing. Their pale ale. The Nine Banded Armadillo is the unofficial state mascot of Texas and the namesake and official mascot of Nine Band Brewing Company. It is, so they do have an armadillo over their, their name. On hot days, you can often see uh, one on the side of the highway enjoying a cold one. I have never once seen an armadillo drinking a beer, although I have seen them dead on the side of the road. Nine Band <laughs> Pale Ale, our flagship brew, is made with premium Liberty Hops, giving this easy drinking ale just a bit of spicy, citrusy kick. Oh man, <laughs> it's funny. I, I just I, I I don't see an IPA on here. <laughs> that's the. That's I, only... I wish, kind of like uh, Segan didn't have a gun. I mean, sometimes people are just missing stuff. 
but you uh, know, they do. Have... I want to see the reaction of the brewery workers finding out the owner murdered someone. Allegedly. Let's call a spade a spade here, Jeremy. <laughs> Legally, let's say allegedly. But, I mean, well, you know what? There are, I have definitely worked for people who, and I think, and I think we've both worked for people, um, per se. I know where you're going <laughs> with who, this one. Who, if somebody came in and said, hey, so-and-so murdered somebody, we'd be a little shocked, but we wouldn't be surprised. We'd be like, oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, I get it. I mean, we both look at each other and go, I mean, I mean, I feel, feel like it's only a matter of time, but it feels weird now that it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'm like, if we asked the brewery employees, would they just be like, oh, yeah, saw that coming. He was a shysty motherfucker. Or would they be like, holy shit, what? What am I going to do for work now? Uh. Yes, probably a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, brewery workers are a bit like gypsies. So I feel like most of them would be like, okay, well, uh, time to move on to the next place. It's God damn it. I got to redo my resume now. <laughs> resumes. There are, there are no resumes in craft beer. You just basically. Show I mean, up. there are, but people don't ever read them. <laughs> You basically show up and they say, so do you like beer? You're like, yeah, I, I drink a lot of it. Can you make and or sell slash uh, 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 carry it on a platter? Yes, I can do one or all of those things. All right. Well, there's the fermenters. There's the uh, mash ton. And um, I'm going to be back here drunk. Here, try these beers so you know what they taste like. Craft beer. Um you don't make any money, but it's a fun it, it's a fun industry. But also, uh, maybe don't murder people to keep your brewery going. <laughs> that is dedication, though, to your brewery. I mean, let's not, we don't know for a fact that's why he well, he I think he murdered the person to get rich. But I mean, definitely there were some brewery expenses involved because again, can't stress it enough. Breweries cost money; they very rarely make money. Oh yeah, I'm like, so what new fermenter were they getting? I'll bet they have some nice equipment down there. I and the hope state so. Of, and the state of Texas is about to inherit a wonderful brewery. Oh, shit. Well, makes... Jeremy, what we got next? <laughs> Good things come in smaller packages news now. Um, Whew, shoot, thank brewery. God. Uh, it, is, it is that time, that time in the Pacific Northwest, and really now pretty much all over the country, uh, that people start looking forward to the Shoots Brewing's Abyss. It's one of the first um, major uh, uh, barrel-aged imperial stouts uh, produced at any volume. Um, it is a, a, a regular favorite all over the country. Um, but um, it was first released in 2006. Um, but this year, the Abyss, for the first time ever, will be released in 12-ounce bottles in a four-pack. Um, which is actually uh, follows the uh, the Black Butte uh, anniversary Imperial Porter uh, earlier this year that was also released in a twelve in twelve ounce bottles in a four pack. It has been previously uh, released in uh, in twenty two ounce bottles, as is as was pretty typical. I feel for special release uh, beers, especially special release Imperial Stouts or Bourbon Barrel Age Imperial Stouts, but. Um, uh, Deschutes is, is more and more, or Deschutes is, uh, moving towards, uh, the smaller package, uh, like I feel like most breweries are. Um, the interesting thing about this that I found was that, listen, um, marketing is a lot of times like, uh, uh, shooting an arrow and painting a bullseye around it afterwards, but they're marketing this as, <laughs> as a response to COVID, um, and, uh, uh, this, uh, this story comes from the full pint, um, uh, written by just Dan. That's the full pint. They just, it's just, just Dan wrote it. Um, <laughs> you're like, which Dan? They're like, Dan, duh. Dan. 
Is Dan here? No, Dan's not here, man. Um, <laughs> Veronica Vega, uh, new product development director at Deschutes, uh, said, quote, In this time, we are eating and drinking a lot at home more often. What I find exciting about this new format is that we can make any night something special by pouring one of these into a snifter and having that be the occasion. The idea is that, um, you know, in... I I think they're hinting at like the 22 ounce format, um, and I, it was a was a format best shared, um, mm-hmm. but in smaller but in in a in a in a smaller format it is it's it's easier to drink a tw- a 12 ounce bottle of a bourbon barrel aged imperial style than a 22 ounce, um, and it's easier to do that by oneself. I know you yes. don't have the problem drinking an entire 22-ounce bottle of bourbon imperial age imperial stout, nor do I. But, you know. But some people do. Some people, like, drink about half of that goes, that was good, but I'm a little bit drunk. I'm very full. Um, I don't want to drink the rest of this as good as it is. But anyway, um, so they kind of paint it as like, listen, due to COVID – and us all doing the social distancing thing. This way, there's a format you can take home and uh, and pop open and enjoy by yourself. However, I'm a little skeptical of that because yeah. that's where the industry's been moving. And so um, I actually want to use I was this- going to say, if this would have been three years ago before Firestone made that move over and saw some success with their barrel-age program moving to the 12-ounce bottles... Founders has had success with their barrel age in 12 ounce bottles and more and more people in the industry are moving their barrel age to the smaller package. I can believe it. So I guess let me get your thoughts, Tyler. I mean, I was, so as somebody at, um, as somebody who, uh, uh, who, uh, has to sell somebody a $10, 12 ounce bottle, um, it it, it 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 was challenging at first, but it's getting easier. But what do you think about like as that as we are moving towards that format? Oh, I think it's gonna get easier because of the fact a lot of people aren't doing a ton of bottle shares, or yeah, those beer nerds are gonna piss and moan about it. But for the most average Joe, they just want to sit down, crack a beer while they're watching their nightly show and if they want a bourbon barrel age beer that's what they're gonna do so it makes it a little more approachable and because it's priced the same per ounce but there's less ounce than the 22 ounce bottle it's a smaller investment uh true i mean but i guess that's where i run into problems with it is that there's well first of all there's the nostalgia craft beer started in 22 ounces um mm-hmm. but that format is dead this is it, like the final nail in the coffin why do you think that's formats i mean dead the way it is i mean i'm with you um uh we have uh at the uh, bottle shop i'm working at um have completely moved away from 22 ounce bottles in fact i mean at this point in time um, there's a lot of beers that, you know, they, that get, get, uh, uh, they pitch to me and, and, uh, like, Oh, that sounds really good. You know, it sounds like something we bring in, you know, and I always ask what's the format and they go, Oh, 22 ounce bottles. Oh, sorry. Can't do it. I think the main reason is people realize a couple things. First, Craft beer fans in particular are whores. Gigantic. They want to have they want to have a glass of this, then a glass of that, and a glass of that. And so a 12 or a 16 ounce can or a bottle is great because it gives you one glass. I mean, uh um uh me and Tyler, we 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 love you craft beer people, but you are gigantic whores. Oh, 100%. Also, the next thing is a lot of people, it's kind of like why Growlers died. You get, usually you get a better price point per ounce buying a full six pack 
than you will to get the equivalent amount of ounces out of a growler or 22-ounce bottles. Well, I, I would say growlers kind of died because... Um, so there was a time when, I mean, especially craft beer was at the craft brewery. And though, you know, some, some was being bottled at the time, um, to really get the, to, to, uh, uh, to, to get a lot of the beers that was being produced. I mean, most breweries were not bottling. And so most of them to get, to bring the beer home, that was the only way it was not the, it's, yeah. Um, to me, a growler is not an ideal way of packaging beer in any sense of the word. It's just, no. it's, it was a, it was uh, a, something, you know, something brought out by the, just kind of the strange uh, 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 position craft beer found itself in. But now, I mean, again, go look at your supermarket, go look at your, uh, uh, your local, you know, convenience store. Go look at your bodega if you're one of those people. Uh, go look at your bottle shop. I mean, craft beer is not hard to find in package, and so the and you're right. The price point is much better in package versus a, a growler, and so growler is a is a is a is a tougher sell just because that's not what people that you don't mm-hmm. need that anymore. Yeah. Uh, also. One thing that I've noticed is, especially here in Boise, people like to be able to take it out with them while they're camping or they're uh, out fishing. And in 12-ounce packages, you can get a non-glass container. They don't make a fucking 22-ounce can. I disagree. I I, I would show you uh, Oscar Blues' stovepipe uh, uh Ten nineteen two. Nineteen two. <laughs> it's a nineteen point two. Damn close though. So and then as more places started putting out the stove pipes or going sixteen ounce cans or twelve ounce cans, it started a lot of those beers that are going in the stove pipes in the sixteens were beers that were in twenty two ounce. The twenty twos. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just started depleting that. Stores now are Sw- removing their 22 ounce shelf spaces in place of cans and smaller I, uh, package bottles. So it's now reinforcing to the breweries don't make this style because it's not profitable anymore. I had this moment. Um, uh, one of our, so we have a local uh, grocery chain uh, out here on the, in the Pacific Northwest called Winco. Um, and uh, it's, it's a place you shop when you're Poe. Not just poor, pow. It's also <laughs> like it's also a fantastic grocery chain. I'm not, you know, they're not not to dispense. They're in Oklahoma too. Do they have an Oklahoma branch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they All got right. a couple. They so got the Pac- a couple Oklahoma stores. So the Pacific Northwest and Oklahoma. Um, but anyway, so I I noticed that at my local one, which is where I do my shopping, they have the like they have this craft beer cooler, which you know back in the day was stocked it was a 22 ounce it's designed for 22 ounce bottles and that was craft beer i mean you know their coolers were full of budweiser cores and what have you and that was the 22 ounce bottles now i kind of look at that and there's a few you know hanging on for dear life but otherwise they're putting like schmirnoff big package and they're putting like um uh, uh like the modelo micheladas yeah, yes they're put like going Ooh, relabel that cooler, man. <laughs> also, uh, there are still some like stovepipes in there, and then um, predominantly hard seltzer, like White Claw, sixteen and nineteen ounce cans. And oh yeah, they do. And it's, 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 it's weird looking at going. It has like probably above it going craft beer. Like the, not some of this isn't even beer. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just it's just to illustrate like where the industry. How first of all, how fast the industry moved. That even you know that that uh, uh, that grocery chains couldn't keep up. Not that they're terribly good at keeping up with things. Um, and it's also, I mean, it's it's. I think uh, if you're not in the industry, it might be strange to. to to uh, uh, think about how much format matters. Like, um, you know, 
how much like the 22 ounce versus a 12 ounce uh, uh, sells because one would think, and I certainly did before I spent before I spent time in the in the industry and selling to people. Like, if it's in a big bottle, small bottle, doesn't matter. People will buy it if it's good beer, but it doesn't work out that way. And the crazy part is, at least outside of diving into the nitty gritty of every beer. It's more likely that a 22-ounce bottle is a higher profit margin for the brewery. Fair. Yeah, yeah, Because to hit the same amount of 12-ounce bottles, you're basically doubling your bottles that you're using to do the same volume. You're doubling the amount of caps. You're doubling the labels. And you're doubling the chance of having the loss from filling up the bottles. And that's probably why craft beer started in 22 ounce. I never even really thought about why it started in 22 ounce bottles, but um, without going deep in depth, I'll bet that's why it did because like we can mm-hmm. fill these cheaper and get them out and it, we get a little bit, we can extend that a little bit more, but as the, as, as people's, tastes uh, evolved so did uh, the format mm-hmm. now here's an interesting i mean as long as we're like diving down the, the rabbit hole of format i just want to like throw this out i find also the new strange convention that you're that most of breweries uh like um they're and this is not universal this is just kind of a strange convention i'm sort of seeing that their flagships are 12 ounce but their special releases are 16 ounce, especially when it comes to IPA. Mm-hmm. Well, like 16 ounce, I feel has kind of been predominated or predominantly hazy IPA. No one will blink if they see a hazy IPA in a 16 ounce can. But if you throw a regular IPA in a 16 ounce can, everyone's going to assume it's hazy. I disagree because I've seen. Quite a few. I mean, what I see more is like, is uh, is like special releases in a in a sixteen uh, ounce can. Although I, I have to, and, and by the way, uh, the 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 beer that I just moved to this uh, from Surly, their IPA is in a sixteen ounce can as their as their coffee brown. Um, but you're selling four packs of sixteen, not six packs. Correct. So your price point is changing and you've got that higher price point for less cost with doing a four pack of 16 ounce compared to a six pack. Correct. Um, but now I just kind of want to point out that, like that strange convent. I mean, and I honestly think that what well, I'm hoping that the industry is moving towards 16 ounce cans because it's a pint. I just kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think 16-ounce cans aren't going anywhere, but I think your 12-ounce cans will stay kind of that core lineup. Um, so to bring it bring it all back, um, I want to I do my little, like, soapbox speech, and I want to see what you think. Um, I am a little bit saddened, to be honest. Um, I... I think it's. I think it was inevitable that most uh, uh, that that uh, that craft brew would would go from twenty two ounce to twelve ounce because, I mean, as you said, um, it it makes sense from like a practical point of view. You you know uh, you know you, you twenty two ounce is uh, twenty two ounce beer. Not everybody drinks like we do, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's beer for the mass. People just want a beer. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But sometimes people just want a beer. When you crack open a 22-ounce beer, you've committed yourself to drinking that entire thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I understand that. I do sort of – I'm not a big fan of like the big uh, like the big special releases moving to that format um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I like the, the – it's, it's harder to do the wax uh, uh, seal, which is – Occasionally annoying, but I always really liked that extra. It, it was, it was the like status, the fan. It fancied it up. Yeah, it's just there's something about there's something about, um, and it also you. I've never. It's I shouldn't say never, 
Although it's not 12 ounces, it's a 500 milliliter, which is like 16 ounces. Um, but you, I've never seen, you can't cork and cage really a 12 ounce. And so, yeah, both, I mean, both of those things, and you might be listening going, why do you like those things? They, they, they inhibit you getting to the beer. Correct. But there's that, there's that, I don't know. That, Showmanship. There's that, you know. I don't know what what do you want to call it the the you know the je ne sais quoi the uh, mise en scène the uh, menage a trois uh, if you will um, the <laughs> might be getting off on something different there <laughs> oh I will later um, no there's there's just something about it's just, I actually feel the same thing about like wine moving from uh, from corks into screw tops which or cans or cans I understand. I, I understand and kind of support the move, but there's something, there's an ambiance to uncorking a bottle of wine. There's an ambiance to, you know, taking off a corked and caged, uh, uh, you know, farmhouse uh, ale or cutting the wax from a, uh, from a uh, bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. Um, and that larger format, of course, in non-COVID times, it does encourage a share among you know, just even splitting mm-hmm. splitting that beer among a couple people, which is you can do that with a twelve ounce, but it's not. I I like the communal experience. It's not as fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, those beers were always made to be shared. And again, while I've definitely drank a few mu- just myself, I'm not an animal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they're fun to share, and in that form, and in a larger format, they're easier to share. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of sad to see them slowly, like, going that direction. Yeah. No, I – that is about the only reason I am sad to see 22 ounces go. If everyone switched over to stovepipes for their barrel age, I'd be like, yep, fucking put a bullet in the head of 22s. What I am going to say is either next year or the year after at the latest, Abyss is in a 12-ounce can. So, because you make this move to test out the twelve, also I bet they would have put it in a twelve ounce can this year if we weren't in the middle of a can shortage. So you put it in the twelve ounce bottle, you prep everyone for that on a system you already have, and then when cans are readily available again, it's in the can, easier for you. You don't have to have a bottling line as well. You can just use everything on the canning line. And bada bing, bada boom, more people are willing to go up and grab a four pack of a bourbon barrel aged can than they are a bomber. And a part of that, I mean, listen, I talk as a man who is like, who, who quickly like was converted to, to cans, um, uh, uh, you know, who was very much the, no good beer only comes in bottles. And then, you know, quickly like learn the, 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 the virtue of cans, uh, I do feel like a certain amount of sadness that like, but, but abyss, abyss shouldn't be in a can. Abyss should be in a big bottle. It'll be in a can. <laughs> Just like Bourbon <laughs> County and a couple of years will be in you a fucking goddamn can. goddamn millennials are destroying everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right on the line. I'm, I, I can be like, depending on who's doing the report, I can be millennial gen, gen X. So for this conversation, I'm Gen X. You fucking millennials are destroying craft beer. Innovator die, you old fuck. <laughs> um, which brewery? What? There was one brewery that did a that that cheekily like waxed topped their stovepipe cans. Which one was that? Alaskan. Okay, that was it. Or not Alaskan? Anch- Anchorage. Anchorage. That's right. Yes. Which I'm. I'm like, that's awesome. It's it's not hard to do. I'm- Anyone could wax dip it. I mean, they, they waxed up the bottom of the can, so you still have that little showmanship standing out on the shelf. I guess what I'm saying is, it, I want the wax. I want. I, I like. It sounds really weird, but I like the idea of cutting the wax. So, give me wax topped cans. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> uh... I'm gonna drink your beer regardless, but I mean, again. <laughs> Just some of that je ne sais quoi. That yep. 
other French words <laughs> that I actually don't know what mean. That some of that sacre bleu. <laughs> how much you piss and moans depends on how much wax you give them. Uh, but then you have like like Fremont there for a little while. I feel was over wax dipping there. It's like you needed a fucking running start and a battle axe to get through some of that wax. I mean, you can overdo it. I mean, all right, Crux. I'm looking in your direction, Crux. I can't tell if they did it as a joke or if they were serious about that, but they would like very thickly uh, wax their bottles. And then you pry, you pry off the wax, uh, get the cap off, and underneath that would be a cork. Yeah, and it, like a wine cork, and you're like, motherfucker, now I gotta go find a fucking corkscrew? And you're like, and the, yeah, the first couple of times, now now I'm prepared for it with a with a, with a a Crux special release. But there was a time I'm like, the first time I'm like, oh, you've got to be shitting me. I was not you're prepared. Like, I'm about to break this bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so you can overdo it. Crux... You are overdoing it. I love your beer, but with a big rusty pole or a splintery post, go fuck yourself. I love your beer. I love your beer. Your beer is fantastic, and I will pry your your corks out with my teeth uh, to get to your to get to get to it. But fuck you for making me do that. Oh. <laughs> It's late. Uh, it's it's late stage COVID, Tyler. A lot of truths are coming out. Uh, what do you got next for us? Well, we've got some fun new ideas that some breweries are pushing out, uh, kind of for the holidays. So we'll start off with the nearest holiday and my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. That's um, your favorite. Ho- of course, it's your favorite holiday. You eat, you drink, you watch football. Yeah, and great hunting that day. Like this, this is a day I was built for. Wait, I've been training wait, that my whole life. Wait, wait, hunting. That's yeah. a physical activity. You don't do yeah. physical activity on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's, you do. That's almost that's that ain't American. You eat, uh, you watch football, you fall asleep, and the next day you take a ginormous shit. That's how America. Celebrates Thanksgiving. You do not do physical activity. You do not hunt. Oh, you hunt a little in the morning. You get back. You start deep frying the turkey. You sit down. You eat. You gorge yourself all while watching football. Go back and eat after the football game finishes. Then you sit down. Play a little cards maybe. Shoot the shit. Go home. Fall asleep. Wake up the next morning, go hunting. We hear it, it's all beer. Do not support this northern Idaho version of Thanksgiving. It is an abomination. <laughs> I support everything he said, except for the going hunting part. Not because I'm against hunting, but because Thanksgiving is not the day for physical activity. <laughs> well, Anheuser-Busch, Jeremy's favorite company, announced they My have favorite. two new products... For uh, customers to celebrate Christmas this year, a Bud Can turkey stand and the King of Leftovers Tupperware. <laughs> All right. I mean, I I can see the mad gleam on your face. So go ahead. Tell me more. <laughs> Hurt me. Hurt me in my soul. So the Bud Can turkey is Budweiser's way of doing like a beer can, can chicken with turkey. It's a limited edition 25 ounce can. And comes with detailed cooking instructions, all for twenty six bucks. And then, for twenty more dollars, you can get the King of Leftovers Tupperware that is made to hold your leftovers and Budweiser beer. So let's—I mean, first of all, they're very much doing a Northern Idaho Thanksgiving. Um, yes. And the Tupperware comes with a lock to keep people out of your fucking leftovers and beer. Who the fuck? Look, every place I've ever been, like, gives away Thanksgiving leftovers. They are like the COVID. You hand them out at, you hand them out willy nilly and with wild abandon. Especially if you live in Idaho. (laughs) You give it to your grandparents and then you don't have Christmas. Wow. Whoa. You got, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. Wow. 
Wait, way to make it dark, Tyler. Way to make it dark. <laughs> Bring us back. Well, <laughs> well, let's hop to a company that doesn't see color. Uh, with Founders Brewing. <laughs> you know what the funny thing was is I read this same story and I'm like, do you think they include any uh, uh, any porters or stouts? But how would they I know? know? <laughs> Founders doesn't see color. If you want to know, what that lawyer should have asked that guy in the deposition. What color is a porter? If you if you want to know what me and Tyler are talking about, uh, I would encourage you to go go back through our archives, uh, look for an episode called "You Done Fucked Up Founders," and you will actually hear me and Tyler do our rendition of of a founders lawyer and a uh, and a lawyer for a uh, for uh, uh, for a defendant, um, where founders uh, claims. Uh, during a, a lawsuit about uh, a, a gentleman getting fired, possibly because of his race, um, that he was he was un- unable to identify a black man. Uh, it's called it's it. You done fucked up, founders. Go check it out. It's one of my favorite episodes. But <laughs> well, so founders is releasing their first ever advent calendar. Um, for this holiday season, they are filled with 24 beers for 24 days. As is I, appropriate. Uh, they are all rare, limited, and barrel-aged surprises, the company says. They go on sale uh, the day before Thanksgiving at 11 a.m. Uh, you have to call the tap room to order a calendar. No online pre-orders are available. It's a one-person limit and would you like to guess the price jeremy let's see 24 12 ounce barrel aged beers yep i'm gonna say 200 dollars. 150 that's actually pretty damn good for i mean yeah as much as i mean as, as much as founders uh, uh is possibly uh, uh uh populated by a bunch of dude bros who claim they don't see race who may occasionally drop the n-word Again, you check out that episode. Um, that's I, I do and actually do enjoy their barrel age program, and that actually sounds pretty spectacular. Oh yes, well that's not the only advent calendar though. Let's go to the Sue Happy Brewery. We like to make fun of on this podcast, Stone. Oh, Stone, how have you fallen from grace? <laughs> and if you want to, and if you want to hear more about how Stone has fallen from grace, I uh, we did we did that did that episode a while back, although I can't think of it off the top of my head. So, <laughs> uh, so Stone is doing a Stone Twelve Days of IPA mix pack, features twelve different IPAs, uh, and of course they kept with the stupid fucking upside down labels. Um, <sighs> Jesus Christ. Again, again, the upside down labels is like something that should have been thrown out early in the creative process. But I, I, I digress. Again, uh, you can uh, you you can find that uh, uh, that whole rant in our in our archives. So the pack is featuring some year round staples, but also some new releases and archived fan favorites. Um, one of them is the sublimely self-righteous black IPA that was first released in 2007. Stone said fans haven't shut up about it since it was originally released. So I don't believe I've ever had that one. I haven't either. Um, Stone Exotic Destinations IPA, which was only available in Europe. Um, the Soaring Dragon Imperial IPA. Uh... Features and Benefit IPA, uh, which is a 95-calorie IPA that'll be released nationally this in the near future. Oh, goody. Yep. <laughs> uh, and as long as I'm plugging our past episodes, if you want to go back and listen to me and Tyler rate a bunch of low-calorie beers, it's called uh, a Slim Svelte Horse. Uh, that was earlier. That was earlier this year when things weren't absolutely going down the shitter. Uh, but it's nice to know that Stone is entering that uh, particular uh, 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 Thunderdome realm. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and then it rounds out with 
the Stone IPA, Cosmic Rune Stone IPA, uh, Tangerine Express Hazy IPA, Scorpion Bowl, Fear Movie Lions, uh, Ruination Double IPA, that f- and their worst beer ever, the Delicious IPA. I gotta say, um, the Fear Movie Lions uh, is got to be one of their best beers they've released recently. I mean, that was one of the that was one of the the things I got a hold of that sort of kind of restored my faith in Stone before the the whole lawsuit thing. I yeah. So very quickly, um, uh, a, a a a small brewery in Kentucky used Stone somewhere in their name, and Stone sued them because that's what they do now. If you use the word Stone anywhere in your brewery name, or if you reference a Stone in any way, Granite, look, Granite City. You're like, saying, we're a Stone's throw away from this place, and they're like, you're getting sued. You're getting sued. Granite City. Watch your ass. Stone is coming for you because you because because granite is a stone, and you know it's only a matter of time. They 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 have become what they have hated. Corporate. It's we all become what we hate, Tyler. Which is why I practice self-loathing. That's why I hate really attractive models, great beer, excellent whiskey. And steak. New feature brewery news now, because this is the way we end our podcast uh, at, at the moment, because I don't know. There's something fun about like featuring a brewery and how they're where they came from and how they're doing and what they are doing these days, um, especially when there's a bunch of good articles coming out about them. This one actually comes from uh, craftbeer.com and um, is written by Ephraim Vila. I'm you sorry. butchered that name. I'm sorry. Um, get your. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I butchered name. I'm, I'm sorry. I butchered name. But um, anyway, this is about Lakefront Brewing in uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, it talks about. Um, so one of the legacy. Uh, well, it's one of the legacy uh, uh, um, uh, beer brands. If I look like I'm stuttering, it's because all of a sudden like, Tyler's messing with the filters on his phone, and there was a turkey on his head, and now there's a pumpkin. Um, we should just make this a video thing now, so you two can enjoy Tyler making an ass of himself. Anyway, <laughs> when Tyler gets bored, he just plays with the filters. Um, just whenever someone, the only time, and, and Tyler gets bored when someone besides him is talking. Um, anywho. <laughs> Lakefront Brewing started like 20 years ago uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, it grew out of a it, it grew out of a, a former uh, bakery uh, in the River West neighborhood, and they they were one of the first they were the first pioneers of this idea. I mean they they were in the middle of uh, uh, Milwaukee, but the they they moved out to a spot that I can, I've been out there actually. It's a beautiful facility, but they moved out to a big uh, building on the outskirts of the city um, in kind of a, in an up and coming neighborhood or whatever you want to call it. But the idea was that they were the, one of the first places that proved this concept. Um, you, you don't have to be where the people are, build something cool and people will come out to you. And actually, nice. um, where they built the brewery, um, that neighborhood has since become kind of a uh, a a thriving district again. You know, where it was a what it was mostly empty and run down. Um, where they built that spot has has kind of revitalized, and whether they were you know whether they're responsible for that or just timed it right is you know you can probably make an argument either way but the 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 reality was there a the little bit of both probably a little bit of both but the pro the the but the the idea was is that i mean they made kind of a ballsy move of like you know we're right here we're right here in the middle of a downtown of a major urban area let's pack up our shit move to a bigger facility where we have more room but we're way out on the outskirts and i'll bet people will still come and see us and it actually worked. Uh, that brewery, uh, huge local landmark. Um, 
and one of the uh, and one of the things uh, I have a picture of it somewhere that I took, but uh, the old dairy containers they first used to uh, to they 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 used as their early fermenters. Um, okay, are mounted out front, painted as Larry Moe and Curly, are now wearing masks. Nice. Um, yes, but um, uh, I mean they've kind of been like the big success story as far as I mean. I think what every what every uh, a person who starts a brewery kind of dreams of. I'm going to start it from nothing, and we're going to grow it. It's become like a a fixture of the city, a big part of the community. Uh, it really is a success story. And coming into this year, they had huge plans um, to uh, uh, t- uh, to quote the article in uh, craftbeer.com uh, from uh, from uh, Russ Kilch, um, one of the owners. Uh, we thought this was Milwaukee's year, and we were really excited. We were supposed to have the Democratic National Convention, the Ryder Cup, besides festivals like Summerfest and the State Fair. And I'm going to add Irish Fest because uh, uh, Lakefront Brewing is a huge uh, uh, contributor to them. They have a huge Irish music festival there on the lakefront. That's awesome. And I want to go back to there someday. <laughs> <laughs> but we were looking forward to being in the spotlight all summer. We even had the Milwaukee Bucks looking like they were going to win the NBA championship. I don't know. You know, they sport. were. They, that was that. That's legitimate. They made a good run. They have probably one of the best players in the NBA on their team. Um, I do not follow sports, so thank you, Tyler, for verifying that for me. Um, and so they they really had uh, like. A really optimistic view, and actually, um, they tw- uh, uh, they tweeted from uh, their uh, from their company account. Tomorrow's going to be awesome on March 11th on on their Belgian quad release party. And Ooh. the same day, um, the World Health Organization declared COVID nineteen a pandemic. Yeah. You probably, if you go back into our archives, and I'm pimping them out a lot because we we reference them quite frequently on this episode. But hey, we've got a we've got something to reference. Uh, I think around the same time we were making fun of uh, a couple of drunk chicks getting on an airplane and getting uh, hungover, <laughs> hungover, <laughs> and getting quarantined for COVID, and how we laughed at this COVID thing. <laughs> and so it'll be a couple weeks, and it'll be gone. <laughs> Oh. We treated it like swine flu, okay? <laughs> How we giggled. How we giggled. If you want to go back and look at simpler times, it was sometime around March of this year. I don't remember the name of the... Uh, the uh... Oh, I think it was actually... I think it was a uh, a recipe for an international incident. Or something yeah, like that. Something so, like that. Anyway. Um, 26 hours after that, the tweet that you know they said tomorrow's going to be a great day... So the next day, uh, they tweeted that they would be closed until further notice. Ooh. Um, again, from uh, 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 from uh, one of the owners, um, Rusk. Uh, um, uh, uh, it all happened really quickly. We reacted as fast because we had to. We have a big place here, so I knew that closing might be necessary after I read a report that was forwarded to me that talked about other cities and a steep rise in cases there. There wasn't much information about it, but for me, I didn't want to wait for other people to tell us to close and do the right thing. Um, and that is what, at least in this article, and I think you know what I what I read from dispatches from the brewery was um, them right out of the gate wanting to be an example of you know of trying to do tr- trying to be an example of of, uh, of of trying to do the right thing in a public health crisis. Which is, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, you, you kind of go immediately go in a, you know, like, well, yeah, they're a business. They want to do that. But what you have to understand that I think is unique about Milwaukee is that um, brewery breweries there have a like that's that's been like the highest social tier in Milwaukee. I mean, the brewery owners, the and the and the the breweries themselves were always like this, like. I mean, almost royalty in that city. Um, 
and you know community leaders um, in Milwaukee were the ones that ran the breweries because that was the industry of that particular city for the longest time and still is to a certain degree. And there's a reason their baseball team's called the Brewers. Right. And so, I mean, I think, I think late Frank uh, uh, recognized that there was a, there was a culture in play here. Um, that's kind of unique for that city. And by the way, uh, you know, having spent some time in Milwaukee, love that city. It's one of the few places that has kind of a unique vibe. And among them is a sense of that, that, uh, um, that they are not only a, you know, not listen, people in that city like a beer, they will have a beer, but (laughs) a lot of their history is the history of American brewing. And so, um, um, they kind of took it upon themselves, you know, as that kind of, you know, not only from that, uh, from that, uh, uh, history, but also being that, like I said earlier, that, uh, that, uh, pillar of that particular neighborhood, you know, listen, we want, we, we want to come out early and try to do the you know, thing that protects people. Um, and, Sorry, I'm trying to scroll up here. There you go. You're fine. <laughs> um, but of course, I mean, shutting down the brewery, you know, as altruistic as that sounds, let's face it, you need money to keep on going. Um, yep. And, you know, they were, they, you know, they were doing, uh, you know, they're doing the normal things. They were doing curbside delivery, which was a little bit complicated in Wisconsin because laws were not set up for that. Like they weren't anywhere in the country, but. They sort of uh, uh, they 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 worked it out. Um, they also have a restaurant. They they were doing a carry out. Um, their most popular menu items were um, um, were uh, uh, were constantly selling out. But here's something kind of unique they did. Um, they were doing how to videos. Um, the first installment uh, was their executive chef, uh, Chris and uh, here I'm gonna pronounce mispronounce the last name Hayunke. Um, Showing how showing people how to make their famous lakefront lager bread, because uh, people stuck at home wanted to bake shit, and why not make here? It did it, the the way they looked at why it. Why not it, use their beer to make bread? Well, and it did two things in their mind. First of all, it kept their product, you know, in people's mind. Like, hey, you remember we make mm-hmm. this? You know, we have a restaurant that had that bread you liked. Well, here's how to make it at home. And by the way, come back and see us when, when this is over. You can actually have the bread that you didn't have to bake. Um, but, uh, um, and uh, so they, you know, they, they were, they were, so they're doing like the how-to videos, the, the, the takeout. And they were, uh, here's, here's what I'm looking for. Um, in uh, uh, Milwaukee day in April, um, they gave away uh, beer and steins to three thousand healthcare workers. Nice. Um, so they've really been on the forefront there. Um, now you know it's it's it, they like uh, many other uh, businesses are kind of in hold right now, waiting to see what uh, what comes out. But uh, having you know they've obviously start they the, the one of the. One of the uh, biggest things they did there was the, uh, you know, you go tour their facility. In fact, go to any hotel in the Milwaukee area in that little, like, brochure thing was to go tour Lakefront. Um, nice. Done that. It's basically every brewery tour. But uh, they're trying to do that virtually now, uh, which they equate to, like, stand-up comedy being done uh, uh, virtually, which is like, <laughs> um, I mean, without an audience, it's not the same, but... You can still no. tour the facility uh, uh, virtually, um, but uh, uh, again, you know, it's it's nice to see a a brewery uh, being able to give back and seeming to you know and and trying to survive this that we're all trying to survive. Nice. Well, I'm glad they, you know, shooting for being kind of that pillar still in the community and hopefully we can get through this and they can get back to having a smoking year. 
Um, they, uh, uh, the, the, the final comment from their, one of their owners, I plan to still be here months from now. And reopening probably isn't going to be like the end of Prohibition where all of a sudden things open up and everyone flocks the bars. But when the time comes, we will be here whatever in whatever way we can be. And they, he added, the three, Stooges, the three Stooges will be there too, hopefully without masks. Nice. <laughs> all right, Tyler, anything else for us today? That's it for me. Uh, well, so that'll... So, uh, uh, as always, if you if you run across any beer stories that you would like uh, me and Tyler to talk about, uh, you can send them to us uh, here uh, on Gmail at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Uh, we do the social media thing, sort of, kind of. Uh, you can see what we're drinking, uh, and see what we think about it, and uh, see when the new episodes drop on our Facebook page and on Instagram. Um, if you're interested to read the stories that we're talking about, we post most of them on our Twitter feed, and that's it, at itsallbeer1 because someone took it, and I know I'm not over it. <laughs> uh, never will be. <laughs> I just want to make sure that, I don't know, I, 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 can't find, I can't find It's All Beer, but you can find us at It's All Beer 1. And as always, uh, uh, you can leave us a, a rating on, uh, on iTunes or on Facebook or probably some other places. Go ahead, do it. It makes us feel good. Um, and I think we're going to be off next week for uh, for Thanksgiving celebrations or just because, you know, uh, Tyler's apparently going to be hunting something or other. Maybe probably. The world, maybe the world's dangerous game, which is not as, as, as we all assume human beings, but actually a bear with chainsaws for arms. It's a problem in Northern Ireland. You don't know this. Yeah. There's a reason there's not a, that trees disappear. <laughs> and that'll be all for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to drink a beer. Have fun.